Hello, thank you for joining us for this Gateway House podcast. My name is Arjun Chavla. I'm a researcher here at Gateway House. This podcast is part of a mini series on the US elections and today we will discuss the US elections and the implications on international trade. We are joined by Ambassador Neelam Dev, director at Gateway House, who's dialing in from the United States. So Neelam, the political rhetoric around trade has been largely negative in the run up to the upcoming US elections. Uh, the director general of the WTO in fact voiced his concerns on the type of debate uh, and stated that the type of debate seems to bring with it in the future wrong policies and wrong decisions um do you think trade has become the political scapegoat this election season as a result of stagnant domestic wages and rising inequalities in the american economy question the uh, trade is being treated by all the presidential candidates um as the reason for the sense of uneasiness in the united states in actual fact of course uh, the latest uh, surveys revealed that poverty has declined that wages have gone up in both urban and rural however rural is defined settings in the united states but uh, you know truth never comes in the way of making a good political point So not only have the two contenders, uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump, been uh, accusing trade of having harmed the United States and benefited other countries at the expense of the United States, but trade became an issue in the campaigns of the highly popular Bernie Sanders. It is the issue that the respected uh, senator. Uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, raised a great deal and unfortunately Republicans like Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio who supported trade uh, they lost out for this among other reasons so trade is definitely the political football of this campaign now you know uh, Roberto Azevedo the director general of the WTO is inevitably going to support trade uh, he is the director general of the World Trade Organization He's also a former uh, Mexican uh, uh, political leader. He knows how deeply trade with the United States has been important for Mexico. Not all Mexicans have benefited under NAFTA, but certainly uh, it has been a big part of the economy of Mexico. So he is sensitive to how trade is framed, how this debate is carried on. Uh, and i think that uh, the question of trade has to be also examined in the context of whether all trade by definition is good for economy and for which segments of the population in each economy um right neelam um coming to the more specific trade agreements the most contentious agreement in question has been the tpp the trans pacific partnership uh, trump has branded the tpp as a terrible deal that will deliver a death blow to american manufacturing um, clinton has shifted her stance from being pro tpp to anti tpp uh, claiming the final terms of the deal negotiated by obama don't meet her standards uh, therefore it's safe to say that neither candidate has adopted a status quoist position on the issue how do you view this with the larger perspective of of the back of the sort of uh, fire on nafta and ttip and all other mega trade deal agreements as well 
you know, first of all, it's important to always keep in mind that the TPP was a political project for the United States. Uh, in fact, President Obama is on record to say that it was important for the United States to set the rules of trade in this region, which is the most economically dynamic region in the world, and that it should not be China setting the rules. Therefore, the TPP does not include China. It includes Japan, South Korea, other Southeast Asian economies, but it does not include China and was definitely intended for that purpose. Uh, Mrs. Clinton, who had supported this uh, deal as Secretary of State, has backtracked, but she, her objections relate to standards for labor and environmental protection. Uh, this gives her some space to go back and forth especially if she gets elected to be able to say that she create better standards for the deal. Um, it also needs to be kept in mind that President Obama intends to make an effort to have the deal approved by Congress during a, the lame duck session. That is what will follow after the election of a new president, but before he is actually, he or she is inaugurated. Uh, the other thing is that Donald Trump, who has been vociferous in his criticism, uh, is actually unable to square his arguments. If China is the real problem why the United States is suffering, then TPP should be a deal, since it excludes China, that should be beneficial to the United States. But he, again, especially has not cared for what uh, truth or logical consistency requires. It is also worth recalling that the hope that many of Donald Trump's more extreme positions will not become law and policy uh, is actually questionable because it turns out that uh, the U.S. president has quite wide powers to actually cancel a deal of this nature. So TPP is in hot waters. And it may or may not come through. But from the point of view of a country like India, which has been excluded, uh, we need not mourn what happens to this particular deal, which does not include us. Right. Um, on the issue of the US president having executive powers, as you mentioned, um, it's a frightening prospect then that Trump proposes to raise tariffs on trade with China and Mexico to about 35 to 45%. Um, which he claims is to reduce the deficit and balance of trade and also to disincentivize imports from these countries and the outsourcing of domestic production. Um, Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, has suggested no such extreme measures. Uh, however, she has equally condemned China's unfair trade practices and has promised to make China play by the rules. Uh, do you see this potentially triggering a uh, trade war between the US and China who happen to be economic superpowers? Whether there will be a trade war or not is difficult to say at this moment uh, because it is difficult to say who will become the President of the United States. But uh, threatening to make uh, China play by the rules has become a perennial in US election campaigns for the last uh, 30 years or more. Uh, the fact is that there are many unfair trade practices that China engages in, and we know that in India to our cost. The difficulties that Indian uh, manufacturing uh, products worldwide market have 
in accessing the Chinese market, whether it is pharmaceuticals, whether it is automobile parts or numerous other uh, such products. Uh, whether the United States can make China uh, do its bidding is another question. Now that the Chinese economy is on the verge of becoming the biggest economy in the world. Moreover, there is so much economic interdependence between China and the United States. Uh, they have an uh, uh, annual trade of more than $500 billion and a trade deficit of roughly $350 billion against uh, the United States. Uh, therefore, they will certainly be able to negotiate many things and come to agreements, but threats are not going to go very far. So I don't think we will have a trade war in the old mercantilist definition, but both of these candidates will be under pressure from people in the Congress, people from trade unions, people from manufacturing who are unable to access the Chinese market, uh, who will want to see changes in the way in the U.S.-Chinese trade is carried on. Right. Um, Neelam, just shifting focus to the larger geopolitical implications of uh, possible trade policies, uh, I mean, U.S. strategists, like you said, have long called, for instance, the TPP a political project, and many other trade deals which they've engaged in have been uh, in response to China's growing geopolitical influence in Southeast Asia. Now, given the reluctance to go through with the deal, how counterproductive will this prove for the U.S.'s grand geopolitical vision of the Asia pivot and the containment of China? You know, in actual fact, of course, there is not so much separation between political and uh, economic. And the TPP is certainly a geopolitical uh, prospect. Uh, and the United States wants to maintain its status as the preeminent power in the world, but specifically in regionally in the Asia-Pacific. And uh, the inability to carry through the TPP, for which it has negotiated for years with Japan, with the other uh, Southeast Asian countries, will certainly mean a loss of face for the United States as former director of the CIA put it in a, a talk he was giving at the inauguration of the Perry World uh, Center. But in fact, it will mean a loss of space. All the economies which are in the TPP have intense economic interaction with China. And uh, the fact that a deal excluding China but providing preferred access to the American market will not come through means that it will not be only a loss of faith, it will also be a loss of space, economic space definitely, and with economic exchanges comes political power as well. So uh, the fact that the Americans and particularly President Obama made this such a high-profile negotiation and made it clear that they attached such importance to this deal uh, means that there will be a loss of faith and faith for the Americans, particularly in the Asia-Pacific region. Right. And, you know, just as a follow-up question to give this a larger global context, um, the U.S. already seems to have alienated a lot of its... Uh, 
alliances in Latin America given its anti-Hispanic rhetoric. But now with uh, Chinese trade and investment uh, considerably rising in Latin America, uh, do you see a sort of protectionist United States losing even more sort of grip on Latin America um, given China's willingness to replace America as a dominant trading partner for Latin America? But, you know, Chinese uh, trade with uh, the South America, with the Latin American countries and its investment in those countries is almost the same as uh, American uh, trade and investment by now. These economies, these countries and their leadership are used to dealing with the United States and many of them would prefer to continue to do so. And we have seen that with the political changes that have taken place in Argentina and Brazil and the new leadership there both have moved quickly to restore warmth in their relations with the United States. But what the rise of Chinese trade and investment as well as the increase in trade and investment by India in these countries means that these economies now have alternatives. They are not solely dependent on the United States as they used to be uh, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, so yes, it gives them more political space as well in their dealings with the United States. But for quite a long time yet, the United States will remain the uh, dominant uh, power in uh, Latin America, even as these economies expand their interchanges with China, with India, with, uh, with African countries as well. Right. Finally, coming to implications for India, how likely do you see India to be impacted by the changes in the US trade policy in the near future? Um, a lot of people predict the decline of the WTO and the rise of FTA trade bilaterals. Uh, do you see this as being advantages for India? You know, India is not still not a major trading power even though the percentage of trade to GDP has gone up a great deal. So the rules of trade as they emerge are very important for India since we are still expanding our trade relations. Uh, they equally, the uh, dominance of rule making by one or other, whether the United States or by China, uh, will be something that India will be seeking to shape for its own benefit as well. So the decline of mega trade agreements uh, like the TPP, of which we are not a member, as we are not of most mega trade agreements, is certainly beneficial to us. The decline of the WTO, on the other hand, would not be beneficial because global trade certainly requires a set of rules by which it is to be conducted. So India would hope that the WTO becomes, uh, or its previous powers and eminence are restored to it, because of late it has been nothing more than a dispute uh, resolution tribunal. Uh, and of course, uh, India must step up its own game in making bilateral uh, trade agreements. Uh, but India has reviewed all its trade agreements, and it was to come out with a model agreement. Uh, which, unfortunately, as often happens for us, uh, is so rigid and so demanding of the 
partner country uh, that uh, there has been no progress in making our bilateral uh, FTAs. As we know, we don't have one even with the, with the EU, even after some 12 years of discussions. And with Brexit, actually a bilateral trade agreement with the UK may move faster for us. All right. Thank you for your insights, Neelam. This brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Thank you.